0: Because we believe in that the Holy Spirit is really going to move as we come out of lockdown. So what a privilege it is. Here we are today at the end of our Living on a Prayer series. uh, As we followed the 24-7 prayer course, both in our small groups and in our Sunday meetings, I know personally I've been massively encouraged, helped and challenged In my prayer life, I feel galvanized to pray like I've never prayed before. I really trust that that's the case for you. That uh, you uh, let me encourage you to put into action what we have been learning uh, over the last few weeks, because prayer is powerful. So, as we come to the end of what is known to us as the Lord's Prayer and the specific word "Amen." Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Now, I don't know if someone was trying to stitch me up, but a whole preach on one word. Thank you very much. (laughs) But as I hope the Holy Spirit will show us, a very powerful, a very significant word in the context of prayer. So let's remind ourselves of Jesus' model of prayer, this time from Matthew chapter 6. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then a verse from the Old Testament that Richard has already shared this morning, from David's prayer of praise in 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Now, as an English teacher, that is my day job, I love words. And yes, I know that makes me a bit weird. I love finding out about their origins and their history. So some of you this morning... We're walking around in your pyjamas, which is a, a Persian word, drinking coffee, which is a Turkish word, and possibly munching a croissant, which of course is a French word. I also love finding out unusual or obscure words. So did you know, for example, that there is a word in the English dictionary, this is true, the word is scobaloccia. It's a great word. It's a 17th century word for a lazy person. And I think it should be resurrected and used frequently in the classroom where teenagers use scobaloccia. <laughs> also, that a blatherskite is a person who talks a great deal, but doesn't make a lot of sense. And I really hope that I'm not gonna be one today. But I also know that words have tremendous power. They have the power to hurt, to cause distress, to label, to diminish. It's over. It's cancer. Stupid. I hate you. Loser. And much worse insults that sadly too many people face too often. Let me just say this. These are not Father's words over you today. He wants to set you free from the emotional impact of these words, even today. And we'd love to help you with that. If you're online, you can request prayer. If you're in the room, you can speak to somebody later. Thankfully, words also have the power to encourage, strengthen, revere and praise. Brilliant. Thank you well done, congratulations, please, I do, I love you. So as we consider the word amen today, we're going to look at what it means, and we're going to look at its power and its significance. We use it so often, don't we, when we pray. Perhaps you've never thought about what it really means perhaps you've used it and never really wanted to ask because you thought you might look a little bit ridiculous or perhaps you already know and I trust that this will rekindle your understanding of just what we say when we what just what we mean when we say amen so let's look first for what it doesn't mean it isn't really like a full stop we kind of sometimes use it as a little full stop to show the the prayer has ended. You know, a lame end because I've now run out of words, so I'll say amen. Right? Neither is it a kind of spiritual lucky charm that if I say amen, then God will have to answer my prayer. But if we're honest, we do use it like that sometimes. Neither is it a way of forcing people to agree with what we've just prayed I'm sure we've had situations like that where somebody's prayed something and it's like, you know, church, say amen, and you feel obliged to come, amen, even though you're not quite sure about what's been prayed. I know for me, when I was thinking about preparing this, um, the Lord's Prayer was churned out day after day in lifeless monotone in a school assembly, knowing that once you got to the amen, you actually got to sit down. Now, you'll have noticed in the Matthew version of the prayer that Jesus taught, and actually in the Luke version as well, that the word Amen isn't there. Right? It's not there at all. But this word Amen appears many times in the Old Testament and in the New to affirm praise to God, and it's been used in the church since its earliest days. So we are in good company when we use the word amen, it has been used for centuries. In preparing for today, I found out that many Nigerian Christians use it at the beginning of a prayer. And if you do, you are in good company because Jesus used the same word as amen at the beginning of many of the teachings of his disciples when he said Truly, I say to you, it's the same word, amen. It's true, I say to you. And then he unpacks some spiritual truth in a way they could understand. So it's a small word with massive significance and expression. It's emphatic. It means, yes, it's true. For real, I agree. Let it be so come on. It's like a verbal fist pump. And if we can express this when we get a new job or finish a new project or our favourite team scores, how much more should we be able to express this when we're praying to our God? It's like a stick of spiritual dynamite in our prayer toolbox. So let's see why. So to what, or rather to who, are we saying amen? So the early church added to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him, teach us to pray. And in doing so, they were following in the Hebrew tradition of adding a doxology. That is an expression of praise. And the words they used echoed the words of King David in that verse we read from 1 Chronicles, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever amen. It's where in the economy of God, the old and the new comes together, and we see these lines drawn through the history of the church, the same words, the same refrain, to the same God. In essence, ending the Lord's Prayer in this way brings the prayer full circle, back to where it started To our Father in heaven, whose name is holy, whose kingdom and whose purposes we are praying to break in and break out amongst us here on earth, just as in heaven. As we return to these truths, we refocus on our heavenly Father. We remind ourselves, as we declare his name is holy, we are declaring His glory. We remind ourselves that as we pray for his will to be done, we are proclaiming his power. We remind ourselves that as we invite his kingdom to come, we are celebrating that through Jesus and through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, that kingdom has already come now and forever. Yours is the kingdom. Not was, although that is also true. Not will be at some future point in time, although that is also true. We are emphatically declaring, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever, right here, right now, amen that's what we're declaring the kingdom is now and it always will be it is continuous it reaffirms that we are following our mighty awesome powerful God the creator and sustainer of all things who spoke the world into being who will bring all things to conclusion one day his promises are true His purposes will prevail. His plans will never be thwarted. This is the one we pray to. This is the one we follow. And this is the one we trust. So when you're petitioning God for your daily bread, for the job that you need because you lost yours because of COVID, for the house you need to make family life more manageable, you can remember his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. When you're interceding for God's will to be done for others, for the situation in Myanmar, for the situation with COVID in India, just like we prayed this morning, for the colleague who's been told that they can't have children, you can remember his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. When you're praying about the habits that you know aren't God's best for you, and you need his forgiveness and his help, when you're praying to forgive others, the partner who's put you down for years, the sexist or racist colleague, whose offhand comments cut you so deep, you can remember that his is the kingdom, the power and the glory. I love the way that Paul puts this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, yes ascends to God for his glory. We may not see the entire picture yet, but his kingdom is coming. But as well as our men being an acknowledgement, an outpouring, a burst, a fist pump of praise, it's also a prayer of sacrifice and surrender. On Saturday, the 8th of May, It will be the 76th anniversary of VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, remembering the end of World War II and the war in Europe. Admiral Donitz, uh, Hitler's successor, negotiated an end to the war with the Allies, and he sought to save as many German soldiers as he possibly could from falling into Soviet hands. First of all, a German delegation arrived at the HQ of Field Marshal Montgomery near Hamburg in Germany on the 4th of May, where Montgomery accepted the unconditional surrender of German forces in the Netherlands, northwest Germany, and Denmark. <coughs> then on the 7th of May, in Reims, in France, General Eisenhower accepted the unconditional surrender of all the German forces. Lastly, in Berlin, on May the 8th, another surrender was signed, this time by the German field marshal Keitel in the presence of the Soviet marshal Zhukov. This was all because Stalin was a bit upset and he wanted them to surrender to him. Donitz's plan was partially successful and millions of German soldiers surrendered to the Allied forces and escaped Soviet capture. Surrender, surrender, surrender. They didn't just do it once. They were made to keep doing it. Jonathan reminded us very powerfully last Sunday that we are in a spiritual battle. If you haven't listened yet to what Jonathan had to say, I would strongly encourage you to. It was outstanding. He reminded us that we need our spiritual armor on every day, ready to resist the devil and his schemes and to live for Jesus. But if we're honest, there's often another battle that we're fighting every day. Who's in control of my life? Who calls the shots? Whose plans and purposes matter? If you look at the rest of Matthew chapter 6 and the context of David's prayer, what we'll see is that really they're both about surrender. In Matthew... Jesus goes on to talking about not serving two masters. In this case, money. And to seek first the kingdom of God. In 1 Chronicles, King David is giving all his vast wealth and treasure to the construction of the temple, giving his kingdom over to his son Solomon, and praying that Solomon will follow the Lord and his ways. I think I'm getting the... uh, Change your microphone signal. Just hang on. Is that better? at that last bit. So in 1 Chronicles, David is giving all his vast wealth and treasure to the construction of the temple. And he's giving his kingdom over to his son, Solomon, and prays that Solomon will follow the Lord in his ways. You see, when we pray, your kingdom, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What we're really saying is, Surrender, surrender, surrender. For yours is the kingdom. That means that he's in charge. He's the king. He rules, not just in the big, but in the small, in the everyday, in the nitty gritty, in the choices I make. My money that he's given me. My talents, which he's given me, my time, which he's given me, should all be stewarded well for my King Jesus, surrendered to his plans and purposes. Essentially, I surrender my little empire of being safe and comfortable, putting family, career, and even ministry first for his kingdom, rule, and reign. For yours is the power. That means we recognize who it is who can really make things happen. Who it is who can heal the sick, set people free from addictions, transform towns, give the barren children, miraculously provide money. I surrender my desire for influence. I surrender my intellect my ability to work it all out by myself for his power at work in my life. For yours is the glory. That means that he gets the honour. He gets the praise. He's acknowledged when there's an answer to prayer, a life changed, when the hungry are fed, when the mourning are comforted. I surrender my reputation and the letters after my name, my 15 minutes of fame, to give him the glory in all things. As I was preparing uh, for this morning, I felt that this picture that we're just going to see now really captured what the end of the Lord's Prayer means. You see, we're simultaneously lifting our hearts, our heads and our hands in adoration and praise as we fall to our knees in surrender to our Lord and our King. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you can, wherever you're watching this, I'd love you to stand. In the last week of October last year, we were on a train to Newcastle. Uh, and There's a picture just to go with what I'm about to say. Whilst we're on this train... We passed a solitary wind turbine. And it struck me as odd that there should be just this one on its own. And the Holy Spirit kind of dropped these words into my head Position yourself to catch the wind. And it really feels as though this focus on prayer has been about that. Getting ourselves in the right position to get right with God, to get in line, to surrender to the plans and purposes of the Father and the wind of the Holy Spirit. Today we've talked about the power of the word, amen, but also the surrender. Normally we'd say, you know, come to the front. If you want to surrender to Jesus today, and a lot of you aren't even in the building here, but what I can say to you is this. Is there something you can do today to demonstrate your surrender to Jesus? Perhaps it's just simply taking a step forward here in the room or in your living room at home. Perhaps it's getting on your knees here in the room or in your living room at home. Perhaps it's putting your hand up and saying, Lord, I give in and I give my life to you, even for the first time, or maybe to do it again and again and again. Let's just pray. Our Father in heaven, we recognise who you are, where you are, We recognize that yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. It's all about you. We want to live for you. We want to work for you. We want to surrender to you. And we want to be a people who are always on a mission to demonstrate your power to usher in your kingdom and to give you the glory. Every day that you give us breath, that we will give you the glory. Amen.